The reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, and reading from verse 23. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from men? They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, we are afraid of the people for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Then he said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. This is the Gospel of Christ. Great, thank you Mark. If you've got a Bible, do keep it open. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word this morning, and even over the last couple of weeks, uh, we realise there are, there are things in it that are quite removed from us. Uh, so we pray that you would help us as we uh, reflect on these words, help us to see the lessons that you would have us see, the timeless truths that are still true today. Uh, Lord, please would you help us to hear them and obey them. In Jesus' name, amen. I quite enjoy uh, watching movies that are based on true stories. And uh, one movie that fits into this category is called The Blind Side. Uh, it came out in 2010. And for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, let me spoil it for you. Uh, it tells the, the story of the Tui family who uh, take home a, a homeless kid named Michael and give him the chance to fulfil his potential in life. And the movie shows this remarkable transformation that takes place in in Michael's life and also in, in the family's life. And the change all began one day as the, as the family were kind of driving home. And they see Michael wandering in the street. Uh, it's freezing cold in, in shorts and a T-shirt. And as they head home, the mum, her name is Leanne, and she says two words to her husband uh, that would change their lives forever. She says, turn around. Uh, and he turns the car around and they end up picking up Michael, taking him home, and eventually they adopt him into their family. Turn around. Uh, those two words had this unbelievable impact. 
And in fact, they're words that beautifully sum up what Jesus desires for the religious authorities who we come across in the reading today. Because they are heading down a path that is taking them further and further away from God. And turning around is essentially what it means to repent. Uh, You would have seen that word in the reading. Turn from going your way, whatever that may be, and turn back to God's way. And and that's essentially the the thrust of today's passage. Uh, And what I've been praying for us uh, and for myself this week uh, is that we would be men and women, boys and girls, who would also turn around and believe in God, who would keep turning around at all those different moments in life when we find ourselves uh, tempted to go our own way. We jumped back into Matthew's Gospel last week, and uh, in the context of the Gospel, things have intensified. Uh, We know Jesus is, is less than one week away from being crucified. Last week, he arrived at the temple, and, and we saw that things weren't as they should have been. It should have been a place that was drawing people nearer to God and helping them grow in relationship with him, a place that proclaimed the word of God. But instead, what he found was a lack of fruit. Uh, And he said these harsh-sounding words, May you never bear fruit again. Uh, He was left disappointed and he fired a bit of a warning. Failing to bear fruit will lead to swift and sudden judgment. Now in today's passage, Jesus is back at the temple again. Uh, It's probably the Tuesday in in the lead up to that first Good Friday when Jesus Uh, would head to the cross. Now after ruffling a few feathers at the temple the previous day, Jesus goes back for more. And as he heads into the temple courts, he begins teaching the people. But he's interrupted by the chief priests and the elders. Uh, No doubt some of the same people who challenged him the day before. They come to him and they ask him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? It's a little bit like uh, getting a new boss who who comes in and and makes all these sweeping changes, rearranging everything. But but you were happy with the way things were. They didn't need rearranging as far as you were concerned. Uh, And the Pharisees probably felt a lot like that as as Jesus came into the temple. They had a system in place. He's come in and disrupted it, and, and they want answers. Who does this guy think he is coming into our temple? to drive out all the people who who we gave permission to do business, to question our authority, to teach in our temple. Uh, And so they approach Jesus. And as we've come to expect from from time to time, Jesus doesn't answer his question right away. He says, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I'll tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or was it from men? Now, before you think about Jesus' words, I just want to point out this, this ability that, that Jesus has. As the Son of God, he has this knack of knowing people's hearts, knowing what's behind their actions and, and challenging them through his words. Now, as humans, uh, we can be experts when it comes to doing things for the wrong motives, but Jesus is an ex- expert at, at challenging us because he sees what others don't. He sees our hearts in ways that we ourselves don't even see at times. He sees them uh, at times. He sees that at times we're, we're masking our true intentions. Where we often let ourselves off the hook, God's word and, and his spirit at work in us does, does no such thing. 
Jesus sees right through us. Uh, and I hope that, that we are humble enough to, to heed his challenge when, when he illuminates areas of our lives that, that we're acting with the wrong motives in mind. When we're being selfish or, or greedy or stubborn or, or whatever it may be. Jesus knows our hearts just as he knows the hearts of these leaders. And, and so he challenges them with his own question. And he takes them back to John the Baptist. We were introduced to John in chapter 3, which was a long, long time ago. Uh, John was a prophet. Uh, but in chapter 14, John was actually murdered by the orders of, of Herod. Now, Jesus mentions John baptism, uh, John's baptism, which, which I think is a reference to his whole ministry. Because as we'll see later in our passage, uh, John came calling people to repentance and to belief as he announced this arrival of God's kingdom. So that's what his baptism is about. Now, you might wonder why, why Jesus brings up John the Baptist in the first place. And I think the reason is Jesus, knowing their minds, their hearts, knows how they need to be challenged. And John the Baptist is the perfect person to allow for that. And in verses 26 and 27, we have this kind of fly-on-the-wall view of this conversation between the chief priests and the elders as they work out what they're going to say to Jesus in response. Jesus gives them two options. It's either from heaven or it's from men. And it becomes apparent that, that these men of authority in the temple didn't think highly of John the Baptist. They don't think his ministry was from God. He's no messenger of God. He's no prophet. But their problem is that Everyone else in Jerusalem rightly believes that, that John's ministry was from God. He was a prophet. Uh, and this leaves these leaders of the temple in a, in a bit of a predicament. Because if they're going to be humble enough to admit that John's ministry was from God, then they'd be answering their own question. John's ministry pointed to Jesus, and that would make Jesus God's messenger as well. Uh, meaning that everything Jesus did had been done uh, by God's authority. So there's, there's no way that they're going to admit to that because they ignored John. So it, it would paint them in a bad light. Now the other option is, is to say that John's baptism is from men and, and this seems to be what they actually believe. But if they say what they think, they risk losing the support of all these people. Uh, what's more, they're, they're actually afraid of these people. They, they fear the people more than they fear God, which is... Never ever a good place to be. They, they love their authority. They probably love the adoration of the people. And they won't do anything to risk losing it. Even if it means being silent about what they really believe. Uh, and so in the face of these two options, they decide to create a third option. Uh, they get out of the situation by simply saying, we don't know. They choose self-preservation and they try to preserve their own authority. And what it shows is they really have no authority at all. Those three words that they reply with, we don't know. Uh, they can be a, a very godly answer in, in some situations to say we don't know. Uh, a sign of humility in the Christian life in some situations. Uh, when, when someone asks us an, an impossible theological question or, or some a question about some hypothetical situation or when a friend asks us why they're the ones who are suffering in a particular way and not someone else. Uh, rather than trying to pre pretend that we have all the answers, we might say we don't know 
because it's the truth. It's, it's acknowledging our limitations. They are words that recognize we don't have all the answers to, to people's specific situations and, and we don't need to because we can point them to the God who does. But when the temple authorities say, we don't know, they're acting in their own self-interest. It's cowardly, uh, especially since they've initiated this conversation. And that could be the end of it, but Jesus doesn't let them off the hook. Uh, he won't answer their question, but he does have more to say to them. And he's, he has another pointed question for them. He speaks to them in, in a parable, which is uh, basically a, a short story that, that highlights something about God's kingdom. And this, this parable that comes up today is the first in a series of, of three parables, one after the other, that are a bit of a, a metaphor for the state of Israel as God's king arrives. Uh, so to the parable, uh, we'll have a look at it, verse 28. Uh, a man has two sons, and he, he tells the first one to go and work the day in the vineyard. Prune the vines, plant some trees, do whatever it is that's required of you. But the son is quite rude in his response. He says to his father, I will not go. But later on, he, he changes his mind or, or turns around and he goes. Uh, the father also goes to his other son and tells him to do the same thing. Uh, this son is, is far more respectful. He answers politely, I will, sir. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to the day that Sophia answers my requests like that. Uh, the, the second son, he says he'll go, but he doesn't. He, he breaks his word. Now, at this point, uh, Jesus asks the, the bigwigs of the temple, which of these two did what the father wanted? Uh, it's not a trick question, and, and this time the leaders feel more confident. They don't even need to hold a conference to, to work out the right answer. And they say, the first. But as they reply to Jesus, they don't realize that they're condemning themselves because you see the words that Jesus replies with. I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe. See, the temple authorities in, in Jerusalem are, are in the firing line. When a person says they'll do something, but don't. Uh, it can wear thin pretty quickly, can't it? Uh, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's at home. When you're depending on someone, failure to deliver on their word is, is a big frustration. Uh, one commentator says this, Verbal faith is not saving faith. A doing faith is serving faith. Verbal faith is, is not serving faith. A doing faith is. And he's echoing the, the words of Jesus here, uh, and even the words of James in his letter. Now, the religious authorities who, who claim to do what God says, they're just like the son who, who said, yes, I will go, but didn't do it. They failed to listen to John, and now they're failing to listen to Jesus. They would tell you that they're, they're close to God, but they ignore his words. Uh, and it's not hard to imagine then Jesus' frustration at them. Now, by contrast, you've got these tax collectors and, and prostitutes. And the reason I think Jesus mentions them is that in the eyes of a chief priest or an elder, these are the people who would have been furthest away from God. Now, in our, our day and age, uh, tax collectors and, and prostitutes possibly aren't the, the people who we'd think are furthest from the kingdom of God. 
things have changed. Uh, maybe we'd throw politicians in that basket or, or segments of the media or the conspiracists, the gang members, drug dealers or people who, who show themselves to be evil in all sorts of different ways. People who disobey God from the get-go, who had no interest in, in pleasing God or anything to do with him. But then all of a sudden, uh, John the Baptist appears on the scene. He starts proclaiming a, a message of righteousness. Uh, this is how you, you get right with God. This is how you enter into God's kingdom, uh, the kingdom of, of King Jesus. And these people, they listen. They obey. Now the authorities, on the other hand, they, they ignore John's message. They didn't listen to the call to repent, to turn from their wicked ways. They didn't heed the warning that judgment was coming to those who didn't produce the fruit. More than that, they, they witnessed these lowly people entering into God's kingdom, turning their, rounds, uh, their lives around, uh, showing change, but it still wasn't enough to convince them. They chose to ignore what was happening right before their eyes. And because of that, Jesus says that people like the tax collectors and the prostitutes will go in to God's kingdom before them, ahead of them, which is the ultimate kick in the guts uh, for people who, who pride themselves on being closer to God than anyone else. This is a, a harsh reality that they needed to know. And I, I think this, this passage uh, provides us with a couple of key lessons this morning. The first is, is the importance of living a life of repentance and belief. Uh, or to put it another way, turn around and trust God. Because that, that's the simple message of the Christian gospel. Turn from the sin that so easily entangles us and believe in Jesus, the one who takes away the sin of the world. Trust him. Don't live like the, the temple authorities, close in proximity, but far away from the kingdom in reality. Uh, I wonder how many people there are in our churches who, who act as though it's enough to have grown up in the church, to have parents who've been involved in church, uh, to have friends who are regular at church. Have we just assumed the faith uh, of our parents or, or those around us? Or maybe we've, we've worked out the formula to make it look like we're close to God, when in reality... Uh, others are entering in God's kingdom ahead of us. We can't claim to be Christian while all the while ignoring uh, this call to repent and believe. You'll have noticed there were some pretty uh, unsavory characters who, who are clearly in God's kingdom because they did those two things, repent and believe. They turned from their sinful way of life and they put their trust in God. And it shouldn't come as a surprise to us that that is the case. Because it's not by living a respectable life that, that people enter into God's kingdom. It's by doing those two things, repent and believe. And this is a, a wonderful truth for us to remember because some of us here have a, have, will have a past that we're not proud of. There will be ongoing guilt. There will be shame. There will be doubt. The kind of things that uh, the, temp, the temple authorities would, would look down on but the kind of things that Jesus went to the cross for. He gave his life that we might turn away from these things and, and find life in him. He promises us forgiveness when we come to him in repentance and belief. And it's an ongoing promise, just as it's something we need to keep on doing. 
turn away from sin, which shows itself in, in many areas of our lives, and keep on turning to the cross of Jesus in faith. Now, the second lesson that we uh, see in the passage is the importance of being doers of the word. The authorities, they, they heard all that John had said to them in the past. They heard Jesus' words now, but they still wouldn't do anything about it. Are you someone who is doing what your Father in heaven asks of you? Do you respond when, when God's word challenges you? Or are you someone who, who sort of likes the idea of responding but, but never actually does? Who says all the right things but whose heart remains distant from God? So don't fall into that trap of, of being a great pretender. That's one of the great mistakes that we, we see in this passage. Pretending that God's word doesn't matter. Pretending that saying the right thing is enough. See, others around us may not notice, uh, but remember, God sees each one of our hearts. All that pretending shows us is that we fear man more than we fear God. And look where that gets the, the temple authorities. Uh, I mentioned earlier that the movie The Blind Side and those two words, turn around. Uh, and followed, that was followed by the husband actually turning the car around, uh, and it had such a big impact on the, on the lives of so many people. Uh, Michael ended up playing American football in the NFL for a number of years and, and heeding God's call to repent and believe, to turn around and trust him. It not only changes our lives here and now, uh, but it's also going to change where we end up for eternity. That's the difference between eternal life with God or eternal death under his judgment. Uh, so may we keep on living lives of repentance and faith. Let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus uh, who came uh, following John, proclaiming this message of repentance and faith in him. Father, thank you that you've revealed to us the way into your kingdom. And Lord, we know it's easy uh, to think that, that once we've repented and believed once, that we can just continue through life and, and ignore uh, the areas of our lives where you're calling on us to do the same, to turn from our sin and to turn to you. And so, Lord, we pray you'd help us. Uh, please would you work in our hearts by your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.